it's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to talk about why local and state taxes may be headed higher. We got a train wreck coming. I'm going to tell you what you need to know about. And coming up later, a lot of packages getting stolen this Christmas season. The Porch Pirates in overdrive right now. Talk about strategies you can take, you can things you can do that will keep the Porch Pirates at bay. So there's a guy who writes about consumer stuff who is unbelievably talented. He writes as his home base, the Los Angeles Times, but researches what he writes so thoroughly and then writes the most wonderful, wonderful stories that really get into your head so that when somebody's going to try to rip you off, well, you're going to remember what David Lazarus told you. And we're so fortunate to have David Lazarus with us right now on the Clark Howard Show. How are you doing? I'm good. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. So how do you like that intro and build up for you? A little too much as usual, but I'll I'll try and bear up. All right. Well, we got to talk about something that people call me about all the time, and that's how they just can't ever answer their cell phone anymore because of all the spam calls and robocalls and scam calls one after another. And you recently wrote about how many junk phone calls are being made every day and likely how many over the course of this year. Hit me with those numbers. (laughs) Well, I'm sure everybody listening is having the same experience I'm having, which is that the number of robocalls on both my landline and my cell phone seem to be growing exponentially every single day. I mean, the problem's getting way out of hand. And according to one recent study, a record 5.7 billion robocalls were pounding onto Americans just in October. That's up 25% from the month before. And that translates to an average 182 million robocalls every single day, or fasten your seatbelt, more than 2,000 robocalls per second. And the experts are predicting that by the end of the year, the typical American will probably have received about, or rather all of America, would have received received about 60 billion robocalls for the entire 12-month period. And it seems like the phone companies have no incentive because there's some money they can make from all these junk phone calls, but it's just made answering a phone worthless. And I feel so bad for you as a reporter. You have to answer your phone <laughs> because you you never know who's going to be hitting you with a hot tip or uh, tell you some insider scoop or whatever. The rest of us, we've got some defenses we can put up, but for you, you're stuck answering all these things. Oh, that's true, but so are a lot of people, especially on their cell phones. And what's interesting here, and the reason I teed off on this in my column the other day, is the Federal Communications Commission is trying to put the heat on our telecom companies to 
do something about this problem. And the solution, as generated by the telecom industry, is something called shake and stir. And if that sounds like a James Bond reference, yes, it is. I've spoken to the techies who are behind this, and they said, oh, yeah, you, you bet we tried to put in a geeky reference. So, yes, shake and stir is the, the industry's proposed solution here. The FCC is behind it. The FCC says that telecom companies have until the end of the year to get going with this, or it might be required. So that's how serious this is. But the question I wanted to ask is, okay, if this is the solution, when can we expect some progress? How big a solution is it? And I'm sorry to say that by talking to a number of experts out there, the lofty claims that a number of phone companies are currently making about their efforts to implement Shake and Stir are just that. They are lofty, they are exaggerated, and nobody should expect a meaningful remedy anytime soon. It's probably going to take years, if ever, for us to see some sort of diminishment of robocalls, and even then, the analogy that holds up is email spam. Yes, there are filters in place to to reduce it significantly, but you still get spam every day. You're going to keep getting spam every day. And what the experts say about shake and stir is, yes, it should cut into the number of robocalls that are out there, but it won't eliminate them. The problem will not go away. So uh, thank you for that lump of coal in everybody's Christmas stocking. That was that was really such a positive message. So ho ho ho, boys and girls. Yeah, thank you. So you can't do what I do and what I recommend to people, and that is, if you don't recognize that it's a family member or friend calling, don't answer your phone. Yeah, but that's not really a desired solution. That's like basically saying, here's an important device that is a key part of your life, but don't use it. That can't be the answer. The answer has to be that the industry that offers this at a fairly significant cost should be responsible for enhancing the user experience, protecting the user experience, and making sure that customers are getting their money's worth. That's the whole idea here. If you are buying a service at a significant price that does not deliver what you are buying, then there's something very wrong with the equation here. Now, the phone companies obviously aren't too blame, but if there's a solution out there, they should be adopting it. The idea that the answer to our problems is don't pick up the phone can't possibly be a long-lasting answer. Well, and I'll mention something else that may not be on your radar, but a lot of people now are going to calling apps where you just let somebody know you'd like to talk to them and show yourself available, and it's for friends and family, and they can just click over and you have an instant conversation, an instant phone call or video call, and it gets the regular people who call you out of anything to do with the spamming. Because I read recently, David, that of the phone calls people make or receive, that over 80% are to less than 10 people. Yeah, I agree with that. And a lot of people also turn to filters such as Nomo Robo. But the problem with filters is they only filter a specific line that has been entered into the filter. And what the scammers do, what the telemarketers and the robocallers and all those guys do, is just keep switching lines so that they can get around the filter. Or they use a technique called spoofing, which basically deceives your caller ID into thinking that the call is coming from somebody that you know, as you were just talking about 
or from an entity you might trust, like your local school, a local hospital, the local police department, and then you pick up the phone and what do you know? It's not that. Now, the idea of shake and stir is to prevent spoofing by verifying calls both at the outset and at the end line before they reach the recipient. But the problem with shake and stir is there's a lot of loopholes to that, and it's still too easy for the scammers to get around that system. Unfortunately, it would require every telecom company in the entire world to adopt shake and stir for the system to become absolutely reliable. And the chances of that happening, especially when you realize that there's going to be a number of countries in the developing world that see the ability to serve as a sort of shady telecom operator, uh, that's that's a big revenue generator, just as you have certain countries that will help you hide your banking and, and keep your finances under wraps. I suspect that there's going to be some countries in the developing world that will allow the robocallers to set up shop there and surreptitiously help them skirt the shake and stir technologies. Okay, so you just added like 10 more lumps of coal in people's <laughs> Christmas stocking. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty grinchy there, but you yeah, know, so, we don't so know what, what do the we do from here? Like, we don't know. Well, I'm so solution-oriented, and you talk to so many experts in the industry. Where are we going to go from here? Because this obviously is unacceptable. Yeah, it is. And basically, as I said earlier, it's a years-long process. First, we need to get more and more telcos to adopt the shake-and-stir technology. Then we need to see if there are robocalls originating from somewhere, probably overseas, that, that basically isolates it. So let's say there's a certain country in Asia or, or in the Balkans or in Africa that seems to be a source for a lot of this. Then the industry can target that and try to isolate the telecom company or the network that is producing an inordinate amount of robocalls in the same way that you know we now try to crack down on, let's say, Nigerian scam emails coming from a certain place. And then perhaps we'll be able to make some dent into the volume of these things coming out. But to a great extent, it's going to remain whack-a-mole. And to a great extent, it's just going to be an exercise in patience. But as one expert told me, if you're getting eight robocalls a day and you can get that down to two, that's progress. So $60 billion this year? Yeah, in How America many, alone. What are you predicting for 2020? I would say that it's going to keep going up. I, I, I kept asking the experts, hey, are we going to start seeing any sort of diminishment of, of the call volume next year as Shake and Stir rolls out among the U.S. telcos? And every one of them told me, no, don't hold your breath. You might start seeing a, a little bit of progress maybe by next year, but nothing meaningful, probably not for the next three or four years. All right, so let's, uh, let's move to another subject that people are going to be like gloom and doom about and that is i i despise gift cards hate for people to give gift cards um so many different reasons i don't even want to get into all about businesses going out of business or you thought the recipient would like that place but they don't and all that so now i i read from you that there's a technique that some very clever people are using who are um good hackers, where they've been able to hack in and figure out how companies create their numbers and the pens for them and are able to figure out without ever leaving the comfort of their own computer cave what the password is or, or pen 
and empty a card that you may have bought for a gift giver, a gift recipient. Yeah, this is one approach that's out there. Now, by far, one of the biggest gift card scams is just simply for the, the fraudsters to go into the store, write down the numbers of, of the cards, and oftentimes they're just dangling on some rack, and then scratch off the, the little covering for the pin and then recover it themselves with whatever you know tape or whatever they brought along. And then they are armed with both the number and the pin. Then they just wait for you to activate the card and and then they just pile in and grab whatever remains on the card. That's the more common way. But there are some hackers out there who basically target individual retailers. And then using their computer programs, they use a brute force method of taking every possible number out there, every possible pin out there, and then just using the computer algorithm to cycle through all of them until they lock onto a combination that actually represents a card. Now, how prevalent is that? I would say it is a subset of, of the scammers. Basically, it's going to be a scammer that has this computer wherewithal, so that obviously is going to limit it. And then typically, it's going to involve a single retailer at a time. So rather than it just being scouring the entire internet for every possible gift card that's out there, it might target just pulling this out of the out of my out of the hair, uh, Banana Republic or Victoria's Secret or or some other gift card offerer, and then just go right at. So these are the stores you numbers. frequent, huh? Banana Republic and Victoria's Secret. That's where you do your shopping. I'm just saying it's a very popular one. It's very ubiquitous, and, and it's an easy one to give out because, let's face it, you know, khakis and, and women's unmentionables, yeah, you're not going to go wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in the Lazarus household, how much gift-giving of gift cards is there going to be with all this knowledge you have about how criminals are emptying these cards so many different ways? <laughs> Not so much, but it's not because of a fear of fraud so much as in the Lazarus household, at least, we kind of pride ourselves on putting a little thought into our gifts and demonstrating that you've actually been thinking about the recipient, which I think is a, a good thing. If you're going to give a gift, you might as well give a gift and make it meaningful. Gift cards, yes, they're desirable. The National Retail Federation says that the majority of Americans like them and, and are expecting at least one this holiday season. The reality is, you know, if you stop and think about it, it's a kind of lazy way of, of showing somebody that you're thinking of them. Not a bad thing. I don't want to say it's, you know, you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying if you put a little thought behind your gift giving, you've just taken it up a level. Well, David Lazarus, consumer writer extraordinaire, thank you so much for joining us on The Clark Howard Show. Today's Clark Rageous Moment is about a ticking time bomb for your wallet that is popping up in cities and states around the country. You know, I talk on the show about how there's no pensions really anymore, except, which I don't talk about, for many state and local employees. The problem that a lot of state and local workers are significantly underpaid compared to what their skills might bring in the traditional private sector. But as part of their compensation... Many local and state governments give very generous pensions in return for many years of service, or at least promise very generous pensions. Well, there was a new investigative story in the financial, no, in the Economist about how underfunded state and local pension plans are around the United States. 
example, there's one they talk about in Kentucky that only has 12% funding versus what's needed. And there are ones in Illinois that have tiny amounts of money, New Jersey, Indiana, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and I could name state after state in the country. The problem is either we're going to break promises to these workers for pensions or taxes are going to have to go up. The real solution is moving forward. State and local workers are going to need to be paid more for the work they're doing and be converted to 401k plans moving forward like people in the private sector. The idea of being underpaid for your whole working lifetime to be very generously compensated by a pension there's no money for is not going to work for the taxpayers and not going to work for the workers. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where we're getting you up to speed on all the deals around the clock for you in these last three weeks till Christmas. So speaking of Christmas, is about one-fourth of Christmas shopping is being done online. And that means a massive number of packages out there being delivered by UPS, FedEx, the Postal Service, and Amazon, which has its own delivery network now. So criminals seeing opportunity are engaging in porch pirating at a scale we've never seen before. You know, it's like when Jesse James was asked why he robbed banks, he says, because that's where the money was. I don't know if he really said that. That's always been said. So uh, criminals are seizing the opportunity that exists with constant delivery of packages. So there are lots of things you can do. And a lot of people are putting in those cameras that will alert when somebody's in front of their home, you see the package, somebody steals the package, you see them. But what if you could prevent the theft? So there are now a number of companies that sell package receiving boxes. They're like giant mailboxes adapted to the modern era, connected to your home internet that alert you when a package is being delivered. And most of the package delivery services have access through one-time use codes to most of these delivery boxes. They sell them at the big hardware store chains like Home Depot and Lowe's. Costco's been selling one of these recently, and you can buy a lot of them direct from the sellers online. So hopefully the porch pirate won't steal your package delivery box when it's delivered to you. But the idea is your packages go into them, you know what they're there, and when you get home, you use your either the app on your phone or you use a code to get into your package delivery box and you get your things out. Now, normally the box is not at the street, although I've seen some people this Christmas season with these boxes now permanently installed at the street. More often, they are at your front door if you live in a single-family home or a townhouse. People who live in apartments, it's become a huge burden on apartments with a staffed office and condominiums with a staffed office receiving all the packages. 
And I feel so bad for the staffs that work at these places because basically they become package receiving services through the whole Christmas shopping season. But if you want to make sure your packages are safe, Amazon's putting huge push on the Amazon lockers. They've been putting in all the whole paychecks. And you can go and just use a, a barcode red thing and your package is available to you usually in about 10 seconds. Uh, Walmart has done the package pickup that's really easy. Target has it as well. And if you're having a package delivered by FedEx or UPS, you can often divert for free to a FedEx facility, FedEx office, or a UPS store. Is that what they call them? UPS stores, whatever they are. And you just pick the item up there, and it's kept there for safekeeping. Anything other than anything of real value, having it delivered to your home, because that is nothing but hassle waiting for you. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jim. Hey, Mr. Howard. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I discovered you this summer, and you've already made a tremendous difference in my life, so thank you. Well, thank you very much, except you haven't been listening long enough because do you know you violated one key rule of the Clark Howard Show? What was that? You called me Mr. Howard. Clark. Clark, that's it. I stand stand corrected. Perfect. Clark. (laughs) Jim, how can I serve you? So this is a uh, mortgage versus investment versus investment question. I, um, like everyone else, 10 years ago, I took a tremendous hit on my retirement portfolio and I want to try to avoid making an emotional decision about what's impending, I believe. So I'm trying to decide to pay down my mortgage versus um, meet my employer match and continue to do what I'm doing with you know, dollar cost averaging. So can I ask how old you are? Um, 56. All right. So at 56, you are right in the age range that if we had another stock market collapse like we had in uh, 2007, 8, bottoming out in April of 2009, it could be a devastating event in your life with not enough years left for you to even build back up to where you were before. And so yeah. that is that is a... Uh, that is a realistic concern, and it's also something that I want to point out. What happened with the stock market collapse last decade was the result of a series of banking scandals. It was not a normal economic cycle. And although stocks in the United States are overvalued, they're not atrociously overvalued. So we don't have the conditions in place. There's not going to be another huge banking scandal other than a banking scandal a day from Wells Fargo. The industry is not in a position where it's going to lead to an economic disaster that would lead to a stock market collapse. So at 56, uh, you're probably looking over the, you're going to work another 8, 10 years, 12 years. What are you thinking? 10 years at least. Okay. So over that time period, normal economic cycles, particularly with us at this point, with stocks being very generously valued, likely overvalued a meaningful amount, you're likely to see two corrections and maybe 
uh, one of those corrections might be a bear market, just looking statistically over the time till you retire. So mm. that can make you uncomfortable. But the thing is, a correction is where the market declines 10% or more, and a bear market is 20% or more. We've actually had that happen, uh, the correction at least, several times over these last many years, and then the market springs back. And so if, if you had sold out on the way down, you would miss the recovery. So I would say it's more a matter of making sure that your portfolio is wise for you being a decade or so out from retirement. How are okay. you invested in that retirement plan? It is moderate conservative, but it, it's, it's diversified if that's what you're asking. And moderately conservative. Funds. Yeah. So yeah. if you're if you're moderately conservative, I wouldn't feel like you need to be too freaked out about what might happen with a correction or a bear market. And over, okay. let's say, a dozen years, even if we have slow economic growth, the economy will be 20 to 25% larger by the time you retire than what it is right now. All right. Meaning so, that there's good room for economic growth. So I, I would not batten down the hatches. So let the mortgage ride out the next 10 years. It's a 15-year mortgage. So you got a very uh, low rate if you got it five years ago. Were you at two point something? 2.9. Yeah, correct. so no need to rush on that. And the most important thing is for you to keep living on less than what you make Keep putting money aside and build that reserve. And remember, whatever money you have, it's not where you have to spend it all on the day you retire. It's money for you to live on over the years. One last thing I want to ask you, are you going to, I was talking about pensions a few minutes ago, are you going to have a pension from your job when you retire? It, it's a 403B. Okay. I also have, I have started funding a Roth since listening to you and okay. heavily funding that. All right. So that the reason I asked about the pension, when you have a pension, you can invest with a little more risk involved. Without a pension, what you're doing with the moderately conservative portfolio is the right place for you to be. And I'm glad to have you as a new listener. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, David. Hello, Clark. Thank you. How are you doing? Great. Thank you, David. You want to talk about going to Hawaii. Yes, thank you. Um, my uh, Oregon-based uh, family of five, uh, we are looking to take a, a summer vacation out to Hawaii. And uh, we know that you have some great experience in the travel industry. So we were just hoping for a little bit of help and maybe a few uh, Clark Howard insights on uh, the best time to buy plane tickets and maybe some of the best airlines as far as getting out to Hawaii on the best deal. So the Hawaii fares have been so much lower of late than they have been in recent years, and it's all because of the fear of the existing dominant airlines to Hawaii, which are Alaska and Hawaiian, from the invasion of the Hawaiian Islands by Southwest Airlines. Hmm. And so the fares have fallen significantly in many of the west coast markets to hawaii the southwest has not to this point announced any plans for flights from oregon 
to Hawaii. But I've noticed that fares up and down the I-5 corridor have all been dropping simply because of the additional capacity of seats to Hawaii that's coming to the market. And so if you're looking for deals, anytime the fare is in the threes round trip, that's when you want to jump on it. What are you seeing right now for next summer? You know, what we're, we've been looking at a few, we've kind of actually started looking at, uh, we, we have a airlines card. And so we were looking at some of the uh, at first kind of some airline miles. Um, oh, so you have Alaska Airlines card? Yes, yes. Yeah, because so yeah, if you're in Oregon or Washington around. State, if you're in Oregon or Washington yeah. State and say you have an airline card, it's going to be Alaska Airlines pretty much. You, you are correct. So, so, if you so can, if you can redeem for points, that would be fine, except if the fare gets cheap enough on Alaska or on someone else from Oregon to the Hawaiian Islands, buy a ticket with real dollars and save the points for another trip. Yes, and, and, and thank you. And, if, um, uh, and it seems like what we've been noticing so far, uh, you know, with just buying tickets, outright um it's it's been more closer to five hundred dollars um a ticket yeah so uh, so stay stay on the sidelines set up fair alerts like it um you can do it at kayak you can do it at google Mm -hmm. flights google flights is my favorite for setting up fair alerts go to google.com slash flights and they'll alert you the movement of the fair and let you know when it's below historical numbers but i'd say anytime the first digit's a three that's right. when you go ahead and buy oh that's that is uh that is perfect um and then have you seen like maybe any particular islands on um in hawaii that you have have seen them get into where the first digits a three yeah it's been it's been a, it's been all four of the main islands have been repeatedly cool. on sale and, you know, when Alaska announces one of their periodic sales, just look around. Look at other West Coast cities. See what kind of fares they're offering to Hawaii. It'll be surprising to you. All right. Well, hey, that was uh, definitely very helpful. Um, I appreciate that because you told me about some things that I had never heard before. So I'll uh, make sure I pass these along to my wife and we'll set up some alerts. And which island do you want to go to most? Oh, man, I would... Love to go to Maui um, and Kanapali Beach, but I am definitely open. I think probably maybe last on my list would be um, uh, the Big Island, but I would absolutely still love that. But probably like Maui or Kona or something like that. Now, Kona is on the Big Island. Oh, okay. Kona is Thank on you. the Kona coast. Uh, you may be thinking of Honolulu where you don't want to yeah. go. So, yeah, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, I was thinking of Honolulu where I didn't want to go to the big city. Yeah, so if you go to the Kona Coast uh, on the Big Island or you go to um, go to Kauai, go to Maui, all three, I love all of them. It would be like choosing my favorite child. I can't do it because they're all so great. Joshua joins us on the Clark Howard Show, and Joshua... You're trying to sell something on eBay, but there's something that's got you really nervous. Tell me about that. Hey, Clark, how you doing? Great, thank you. Yeah, that's exactly right. I had a pretty expensive item I was selling. It was under a thousand. 
$150 I was asking. And I was new to eBay. Well, I am new to eBay. So I didn't uh, put a buy it now price on there. So with that being said, I uh, had a guy message me through eBay and said, um, I'll give you X amount of dollars for it. Um, if you take the item down um, and please don't message me through eBay, message me on my cell phone. He gave me a cell phone number. So I messaged him. Is this going to get to be a really bad story in a hurry or where are you uh, on this? Well, no, no. Thank goodness. I I seized the deal because I I got worried. And here's why I got worried. Let me do what happened real quick. I texted him and said, hey, that's a deal. I'll take the item down. He said, okay. He goes, listen. He goes, I'm not not a computer guy, something like that. My email can you uh, send me your, your full name, your address, and I will have my uh, financial advisor cut you a check and mail it to you. <laughs> and that's when I said, well, wait a minute. I've listened to Clark Howard too many times. <laughs> I will say this myself. I said, this sounds like a red flag to me. So I responded back to him and said, hey, I said, okay, so let me think about that, and I'll get back with you. And I never responded back to him. He never responded back after that. That's fantastic, because so sure that was, was somebody trying to scam you. Uh, I knew it too. Yeah, that was completely that was completely somebody trying to take advantage of you. You know, as a new seller on eBay, I got to tell you, anytime somebody tries to get you to communicate with them outside of the eBay messaging system, and anytime okay. they want to pay you outside of paying through eBay um, or through uh-huh. PayPal, you know that you're about to get scammed. I see. And I I'll figure. tell you, there's a lot of eBay sellers that disagree every time i say this but i'm a big believer that if you want to put something up for auction also have a buy it now price listed because a lot of buyers won't mess with the auctions but they will do a buy it now even if it costs them more than it would have if they stayed through the auction process so um, i would put it back up there and and either just do a buy it now price or do both and anybody who's legit is going to buy it from you right through the system anybody who starts giving you any kind of tall tale that's where you know you're going to be in big time trouble you're listening to the clark howard show Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.